Welcome to Word and a Weapon Podcast. Biblically guided safety and security tips, techniques, and tactics for everyday Christian warriors. With your host, Guy Beveridge, CEO of Protectors Toolkit, Christian safety and security made simple. Now here's your host, Guy Beveridge. What's up, Warriors? Guy Beverage from Protectors Toolkit, Christian Safety and Security Made Simple. We're so thankful you're joining us here again for another podcast episode of Word and a Weapon. This is Season 1, Episode 2. So what is Word and a Weapon? Just to give you a quick uh, rundown of what that is. Word and a Weapon is just simply what it says. I'm going to give you a little bit of a word, something that either impacted my life today, uh, this week, or this month, and I think it will bless you as well. I'm going to go into it, read the word to you, and then I'll give you my interpretation or my thoughts on it. And then we'll get into the weapon side of it. So what is a weapon? Something that you can put in your toolbox, something you can put in your toolkit, a ready reference, or something you can put in the back of your brain that you can draw out if you need to. So we give you the word, the word from God, from the Bible. Uh, my interpretation and thoughts on that and then a weapon something you may need to quickly grab one day to bless somebody so let's get into it the word today comes from isaiah 54 17 and i'm going to read from the new international version isaiah 54 17 says this no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you this is the heritage of the servants of the lord and this is their vindication from me declares the lord In the Good News translation, it says it this way, No weapon will be able to hurt you. You will have an answer for all who accuse you. I will defend my servants and give them victory. The Lord has spoken. If you listen to worship music in your car, wherever you are like me, you probably heard this song from Elevation Worship called Sea of Victory. And in their song, it says that I'm going to spare you singing this for you, but I will read what the lyrics of the song are. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When darkness falls, it won't prevail, because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. And friends, folks, that's what it really is all about. And so when I heard this passage as a Christian, um, I really focused on the first part. When I first heard uh, Isaiah 54, I really focused on the first part. And I don't know about you, but I took it to mean that nothing that comes against me will harm me. You probably took it the same way, and certainly that's the guarantee in there. That's what it says, right? But it wasn't until later in my walk with Christ, and as I matured as a Christian, I started to understand uh, the, the part that's in there about the weapon being formed. You know, this sentence assures us of a couple things. Weapons, in fact, will be formed, and they will not have their intended outcome or produce any results. If you look in the song from Elevation Worship, it tells us clearly the weapon may be formed, And then when you look at uh, the Good News translation, no weapon will be able to hurt you. Well, that just tells us weapons are already there, and then they will not prevail or they will not hurt us. So you can understand, when we look deeper into this whole passage, we can start to understand that, that there's much more, much, much more than the first sentence. There's so much more than protection just against attacks. Yes, weapons will be formed, but they will not have their intended outcome or produce any results, sure. But the promise here is clear. It will not prosper, meaning you'll be able to rely on God's hand to lift you up out of trouble that you're in, or he will cause the trouble to turn around for good, as he says in Romans 8, 28. In there it says, And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Now, of course, that sounds great, right? 
It sounds like, oh, yeah, we'll be able to talk to people who have talked bad about us. We'll be able to know. You'll be able to protest those that have caused you problems in the past. All those who have uh, slandered or caused grief or sorrow or sadness or anger by what they've said into your life or about you behind your back, you'll be able to turn the tables on them and condemn them. But let's take notice, folks, of this right here. The words, in judgment. In judgment. That means at the end of times. When we all have our mistakes aired, and they're all out in the public, so we make sure first that there's no plank in our own eye, and here then, forgiveness is always the best policy, obviously. Then it goes on to say, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So a heritage, that's, that's something you're given as a birthright. That's something you received, not by anything you did. You didn't obtain it by anything you could have done, but just by who gave birth to you what you were born into. And if you're born in Jesus, then our heritage is from him. And we will receive all the promises and blessings of that birthright. That's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And then it goes on further to say this. And their righteousness, or it says in the NIV translation, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Here again, friends, this is another acknowledgement of our lack of ability to obtain righteousness for ourselves. Vindication means simply the action of clearing someone of blame or suspicion. Who's going to claim, who's going to clear us? Who's going to vindicate us? Who is going uh, to give us our righteousness? Well, that comes from the Lord. We want to make sure we aren't translating that word to mean vengeance because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's very clear. It's not for us to take. That belongs only to the Lord. So I hope that blesses you. I hope that part of the word blesses you. I hope it blesses you in the same way that it did me. To I know, know that weapons will be formed. Weapons already are formed. And people can slander me and talk bad about me. But at the end of times on Judgment Day, I'm going to be vindicated because my heritage from the Lord has already told me that. No weapon will prosper. So let's get into the weapon side of the message today. So I kind of wonder if you're, I kind of think that most of you listen to uh, the podcast the same way I do. I listen to it in my car all the time. Uh, I listen to podcasts from a lot of different people. Uh, so I typically find myself in my car on a long drive, short drive, doesn't matter. I pop in a podcast. There's nothing really on the radio uh, that is uh, necessary for me. Uh, I can pop in worship music whenever I want to as well. So there's a lot of stats Um You'll probably drive a car definitely after listening to this. So there's a lot of stats around cars and, and surrounding cars. Um, so here in America, we spend an average of about 17,600 minutes behind the wheel each year. That's on average, and that's from the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety. In that same study they did, uh, they also found that drivers traveled nearly 10,900 miles on average and spent more than 290 hours on the road. So friends, when I say you'll at least be driving a car after you listen to this, it's probably true when I say that. The amount of time the average driver spends behind the wheel each year is equivalent to seven 40-hour weeks at the office. It's equivalent to seven 40-hour weeks in the office. So then why wouldn't we think more highly or take more care and consideration about the vehicles that we drive and operate in that we spend so much time in? Sometimes we get complacent in this. Is that right, friends? Absolutely we do. How many times do you just jump in your car and you go? You know it's going to start. When it does start, you get in it, you put your seatbelt on, you turn the music to whatever channel you need to, and you are just gone. 
There's some things we should be thinking about, though, around vehicles. You know, this is, your vehicle is essentially a, a weapon of sorts. It can be aimed at somebody. It can be pointed at somebody. It can cause death and destruction to somebody if it needs to. But if it's not ready to take you where you need to go and get you there safely and back safely, then we're failing in the mission that we started out with. So let's go through some steps that I like to take uh, routinely with my vehicles and uh, the vehicles in my family. Number one, let's visually inspect our vehicle. How often, friends, have you taken a walk around your vehicle? Just walked around to see what it looked like. Visually inspecting your vehicle, looking at the tires. Maybe you'll notice a new flat tire, a new damage. Uh, there's lots more about your vehicle and, and your environment that you can notice. So we want to get in the habit of doing a visual, visual inspection to determine the condition of our vehicle before we ever take off. If uh, you're in a new construction area like I am, I definitely take a look at the tires because that just uh, the construction area by itself just lends to nails getting in tires. Am I right? So I take a visual inspection of my, my uh, wife's car and my car before we drive anywhere. Number two, let's look inside of our vehicles. Whether you're at your house or you're getting in your vehicle after you've been away from it for a little while, look inside your vehicle. Nothing says you have to immediately enter into your vehicle when you get up to it. A general rule of self-defense is never enter into an area that you, that you can't first observe from a safe difference. Whether you're coming out of work or going into a store, we want to make sure that we're visually um, uh, scanning those areas. So same thing with your vehicle when you come back to it after you've been away from it. Scan, observe it from a safe distance, look inside your vehicle, look through the windows, make sure your vehicle is safe to enter, and then nobody's hiding in it. Number three, I think this goes without saying, but sometimes we get a little complacent in this as well. How about keeping our vehicle maintained? A reliable vehicle is obviously necessary. Breaking down on the side of the road is something we don't want. That's something we can certainly feel like the devil is attacking us on that day. So we don't want to expose ourselves. If we're breaking down on the side of the road, we're exposing ourselves to unknowns. If we did have an intended destination and we were going to get there safe and secure and then we end up on the side of the road, that's an unknown situation. We don't know who's going to pull over, who's going to help us in those situations. So we want to prevent those situations. We keep our vehicle well-maintained in a working state of order. If your vehicle does break down, stay inside. Keep the doors locked. Make sure you always have a fully charged cell phone with you or some way to contact somebody so you can call for help. And we don't leave the safety of vehicle and help uh, accept help from strangers unless we first vet that situation. We want to uh, mitigate all risk to ourselves. We keep the doors locked and the windows up until we can make sure that exiting that secured or semi-secured space is the right thing to do. Number four, lock our doors. Whether you're driving for five minutes or 50 minutes or five days, lock your doors. Always keep your vehicle locked when it's parked, even if no one is in it. It's extremely easy for someone to jump in your vehicle and take your possessions whenever you turn your attention away. Think of yourself at the gas pump when you get out to pump gas. Lock your doors. It is okay to leave your driver's side door open if that's the side of the vehicle you are filling up on or your passenger side vehicle door if that's the side you're filling up on. But friend, you can lock all the doors while also leaving that one door unlocked for you to get into quickly and safely. We want to make sure uh, we condition ourselves to do this, that we always lock our doors whether or not somebody is in the vehicle. Also thinking about the, the heat of summer, we keep our doors locked to our vehicle so kids can't inadvertently get in there and shut the door behind them and can't get out. We see it time and time again where kids die needlessly because of this. Number five, vehicle safety and first aid kit. We want to set ourselves up for success, whether, again, we're going for a five-minute travel or a five-day travel. We set ourselves up. We prevent things from happening by preparing 
in advance. We set ourselves up for success by making sure um, we have, we're an active participant in our own rescue. You are the first responder to your broken down car. You are the first responder when the problem occurs with your vehicle. So have the basics to deal with common breakdowns. What do we know is common? Well, how about a dead battery? So keep jumper cables in there. Uh, how about a way to change a flat tire? Or, or um, how about a way to signal somebody that you need help? You, again, are the first responder. So have the tools that you need to your crisis and your emergency and don't have to depend on anybody else. And if you're going to have those tools, make sure you're trained and you know how to use them. Having a set of jumper cables in your car does really no good unless somebody knows how to use them. And you, as the first responder, should know how to use that tool you brought to your aid. Always have a first aid kit with you. In addition to the normal stuff to treat minor bumps, cuts, scrapes, and bruises, have the proper medical supplies and training to stop major bleeding. Remember, you are in a vehicle and a major trauma is an unfortunate reality of car accidents, so we have to be prepared. You could be involved in a vehicle accident through no fault of your own, so be prepared to be a first responder to that as well. And again, you notice I said training a bunch in there. Make sure you're trained with the tools that you have and you are ready to use them. Number six, this one is uh, if you're looking for somebody, if you're getting close to an address, you know you do this all the time, keep the music down. You turn the radio down so you can see better, right? I don't know if it's just me, but I bet you a lot of people do the same thing. But when we're driving our vehicle, we need to keep the music down too. And how many times are you out on the road and you see people with headphones in their ears? Both ears covered with large headphones or even the earbuds really does not give a, a lot of opportunity for ambient noise to impact their environment. Friends, I can tell you as a patrol officer, I've used my siren right next to vehicles and they couldn't even hear it. That's a scary situation for me and it should be a scary situation for them. But we pay no mind to what's going on outside of our vehicles and we just stay in our own little world. So turn the music down. Don't impair our senses with loud music. It only creates a distraction. We, it will prevent you from hearing everything that's going on around you. Please stay safe in that. Number seven, never let gas go below half a tank. I'm going to say this one more time just for my wife way in the back who needs to hear this. Never let gas go below half a tank. Yeah, friends, we need, if, you are, if you are able to fill up, fill up. Park a full car if you can. It's a good rule of thumb, never let your tank go below half a tank. I prefer three quarters of a tank, but that's just for the various things that I do in my life. If you run out of gas, you're going to be stranded on the side of the road and be vulnerable again to your surroundings, what's going on around you. If you run low on gas, you'll be forced to get gas at a time and a place that is not of your choosing as well. Understand this too, this is the biggest lie adults tell themselves, I'll get gas in the morning. Yeah, you're going to be running late in the morning, so you're not going to have time to get gas. So please, when you have half a tank, you get below half a tank, start looking for the gas station you want. Choose the gas station you want to fill up at and just fill that back up, friends. We always want to make sure also when we're filling up that we try to get it at a crowded gas station in an area that we that is well lit. We get it at a crowded gas station in a safe part of town and during the daytime as much as possible. Choose where you want to fill up. Don't have to wait for you to break down. 
Number eight, this goes along with the first aid kits, uh, a vehicle escape tool, glass breaker, or seatbelt cutter. They sell these online. You can buy them very inexpensively on Amazon.com. Find one that works for you and then understand how to work it. If you can buy a, a two-for-one deal where you uh, get two and you pay for one, the easiest thing to go, to go do to figure out if you know how to use this tool is go to a junkyard. Go to your local junkyard with one of these tools, try to break a window, and try to use a seatbelt cutter. This is the easiest thing to do to figure out if you can work these tools. You do not want to try to use and manipulate these tools in a crisis situation. It's going to be very difficult for you. These are small motor skill type things, and you may be very overwhelmed by the crash or whatever you need to use it for. So know how to use it ahead of time. What we like to say is the body cannot go where you haven't first taken the brain. The body cannot go where you haven't first taken the brain. I heard this first from Mark Warren at Stratagos International. You have to take your brain somewhere first. Show it what to do so it knows how to perform in a crisis. Put it somewhere in your vehicle where you can have access to it at any given point and make sure it's in a secure enough location that it's not going to go flying around in the vehicle and then you have to hunt it down if you're involved in a crash. Number nine, observe your environment before exiting your vehicle. I told you earlier on in the podcast that your vehicle is a secured or semi-secured environment. It is also a weapon. If you are going to leave your weapon behind, leave your semi-secured environment behind, then please pause before you unlock the door, pause before you shut off the engine, and scan your area about 20 to 25 feet out in front of you and around all sides. We want to also look behind us. And remember, as soon as you exit the safety of your locked vehicle, you're in a high crime environment. No matter if you're at Target, Walmart, wherever you shop, you are in a, in a high crime environment. Put that into your mind because people will want to assault you uh, in those transitional spaces between your vehicle and the store. All right. We also want to make sure we're parking in a well-lit area. If you choose to carry non-lethal weapons such as pepper spray, have it in your hand before you exit your vehicle. But friends, like I say, before you exit that weapon, that vehicle, before you unlock those doors, before you shut off that engine, make sure you scan 360 degrees all around you to know that it is safe to step out into that environment. If it isn't, you are no worse for wear. Back out of that area, pull out of that area, and get out of that area. There's no need to delay those actions. And last but not least, don't mark your vehicle. You know, friends, I, I do some training where I can take people into a parking lot, and I can tell you uh, almost exactly which, which vehicles I will find weapons in and which vehicle I will find certain tools in and which vehicles are good target vehicles just by the type of stickers and other identifying information people keep on their car. If you have my honor student this, that, or the other thing and it's within the last year, I know you have kids. Chances are you may have a kid with you while you're shopping. That's a great point of attack because people will uh, have their guard down when they're focused on their children. If you have all of these uh, gun type stickers, a Glock, a SIG, uh, tells me everything about you that you love firearms, chances are you may have a firearm in your vehicle and it may be enough to make somebody break into your vehicle. We don't want to put anything on our vehicle that makes it stand out or is easily identifiable. Once you mark your vehicle, you make it a target just by those little nuanced things that you put on there. Thieves and criminals Pay attention to these things. It's great that you want to tell the world that you love unicorns, but if we're giving away too much information about ourselves, we've got to stop that. 
Second Amendment stickers, all that kind of stuff. Very attractive to gun thieves. Uh, vanity plates make you memorable. Uh, you make your vehicle recognizable. You want to go unnoticed and stay under the radar. We're keeping our footprint or who we are to a, a, bare, a bare minimum. So, folks, that's what I have for you on this episode of Word and a Weapon. The show notes will have all these in there so you can ready reference those and you can share them with somebody. And speaking of sharing, make sure we do share this podcast with everybody in your life that needs to hear it. They're going to get a word, a little bit of message and learning and an understanding, and then they're going to get a weapon. Maybe something you can prevent something happening to you or to someone you love. God bless.